Welcome to the Light Kick. I'm your host, Michael Sifo. Over here is my friends, my brethren. No one's gonna do the. No, no, okay, no. No, none. Mike, these are very sensitive times, okay? And the fact that you would insinuate some kind of violence and, and racial slurs, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm, I'm shocked, I'm hurt, I'm offended, I'm clutching my pearls. Continue with the intro. <laughs> wow, a white man offended, clutching pearls. <laughs> anyway, no, no racial humor. Okay, we're not doing race today. We did enough race. In our defense, we talk about race even before this happened. So That did happen. That did happen. Um, anyway, we got Jeremy Asipo. Hide oh. your daughters because he will, you know. I just said no race. What are you doing? I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. I could not resist. Jeremy Sifo, white parents hide your daughters. Yeah, what what will Jeremy do to your daughters, Michael? No, it's what the daughters will do to Jeremy. It's Jeremy I trust. It's the daughters I don't. All right. (laughs) Trust black men. (laughs) <laughs> black men black men Wait, are no race no race okay go believe, hashtag believe black men <laughs> oh no <laughs> all right there goes hashtag our not all men okay <laughs> <laughs> right over over uh in the red shirt and the very very scruffy beard we got dave uh, hi 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 this is my quarantine beard um yeah, no, I was gonna, I was gonna make a joke about combing it, but no, no, no. We already said no race jokes, so no. Moving on, moving on. <laughs> All right, and then we got Stefano, who's looking at very, very um, not baby face as he usually is. You're a boy. Yeah. You're he's no- usually he's usually got um You're- like no beard, and so I'm very, very concerned. I'm I'm trying, man. I you see, since this quarantine started, I'm degenerating into an obese alcoholic. Yeah. I'm trying my best, but I figured if I'm going to be an alcoholic, I'll have a few teeth as well because I can't have all my teeth as well. I need to look a little more unkempt. So, you know. Oh, like that guy from Tiger. It's King. a living. Like the guy from where? Tiger King. Yeah. Which one? Um. The- What's his name? The one that had like no teeth and was shirtless the entire the entire interview. Oh, that guy, yeah, the the methed out Adam Levine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. Uh, the 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 straight guy that turned gay for meth. Yeah, yeah. Because who wouldn't do that, right? Hey man, meth must be one hell of a drug. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> we do not not have. Choice. Our drug of choice is caffeine. Okay, sure. clean caffeine. Clean. All right. Um. So, boys, I guess let's get into the news. Random news. Things are happening. And yeah. yeah. Um, let's start with some... Wait, before we start, can I ask a quick question? Yes. Which country do you think has the better best food, France or Italy? Uh, um. Uh, and I haven't had much French food, to be honest with you. But um, I'll say I'll say once Italian food is a lot more diverse than you think it is, right? Mm. Like you can go from one town to another and have a completely different dish that's like not made outside of that one town. Sure. So 
if you know, it's not just your typical like you know pizzas and and plain pastas. Like chances are, if you like Italian food, you can find you can find something you know that tickles your fancy. But you know, I find them very similar. I'm a little partial to butter, so I kind of like French food. But man, pasta might be my most favorite food in the world. So if if you know. like if you like if you like butter and very rich dishes like that, you'd like northern Italian food. They're very uh, in the north. They make their food a little bit more like that. Cool. Jeremy Chinese. No, uh, I I don't know. I can't remember where I heard it, but I, I heard French food is actually overrated. To be honest, I don't know where I heard it from, but I can't. I don't know from personal experience. I haven't really had any French food except for like maybe a croissant. Mongos <laughs> too. Yeah. Are croissants even French? <laughs> I don't know. I thought yes, all... yes, they are, David. Not the croissants. ones from Loblaws, man. Been... Not the ones from the grocery stores. Those are not <laughs> French. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like saying mac and cheese is authentic Italian pasta. That's know? like saying yeah, KD, pretty much. By the way, there's one French guy in our audience who's like. These idiots, what do they know about French cooking? They produce some great kickboxers, I'll say that. They do produce some great kickboxers, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the connection's so bad. The connection, Mike, I didn't hear what you Mike dropped from the call. Oh, no, I'm here. I'm here. You're here? What, what did you say? Because you just cut out there. The connection. I said so they poor. got some great kickboxers. The French? Oh, yeah. Hey, then again, Italians, we have the best kickboxer in the world, Giorgio Petrosian, so... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, news. News. Okay. News. news. Sorry, guys. I just wanted to know. This is on my brain. about race? Can we talk about race a little bit? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> which is like the best race, guys? <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be Samoan. Samoan people? For sure the best. <laughs> Because after what happened last night where one person basically said, hey, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. It was like, okay, guys, five minutes on the Koreans. Go. Like, no. <laughs> right? Do we want to talk Koreans. about the Japanese? What about the Koreans? No! Stop! I will never forgive, I will never forgive the Japanese. I love the Japanese. They're, they're phenomenal people. Hey, guys, can I do the news? This, this is the one time I actually get to restore order in anything in life. Okay, can go. I, okay, go ahead, Mike, go. <laughs> All right. So in random sports news, the NBA is back July 31st. They've agreed to a 22-team system, um, um, a.k.a. the Get Zion and forget Damian Lillard complaining plan. That's uh, what I said last week. Yeah. Because Damian Lillard's a complainer, and Zion Williamson makes money. So <laughs> that's what happened. And they're going to start this system July 31st. If you'd like to know how it goes, well, figure that out. Go go check out some articles. Go look at some other things. But I won't tell you because I'm trying to leave here in a very orderly manner. And I know how you the recap's going to go. So not going to talk about that any further. Wait, what? Really? I, I, okay. No. No. We just, okay, David, fine, fine, fine. it's basketball. No, no, we don't. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't really bear much mention. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can talk about the how it's going to work. You know, they're going to play. They're going to have like kind of like a se- an eight-game kind of season and then playoffs. 
like between 22 teams. But are there going to be fans? Because I heard, um, I don't know if it was Texas or Florida, but one of the athletic commissions said they're going to be having live events with fans at 50% capacity. Or that might have, you know what? I don't even know what geographic location that was in, but somewhere said they're going to do that. Wait, yeah, actually, that that's yeah. true. A lot of places are actually considering letting fans back into the stadium. I still Which think is such are. a terrible idea. Yeah, so early. I'm glad, and that's what my I wanted to say was that um, the Premier League is coming back June seventeenth. Uh, I think that's in ten days. Um, so, and a lot of other European leagues, like soccer leagues, are coming back as well. I mean, watching the German league. Oh my God, brutal, brutal. Bundesliga. Awful, awful. But shouts out Germans, but brutal. Anyway, I've been watching. What's your problem with the Bundesliga? Really boring, really boring, and the teams aren't good. But in my opinion. Yeah. Do you not like all the efficient German soccer? <laughs> Man, and they'd like to like, yo, I, I won't get into it. It's too deep of a conversation. But what I would say is that I'm glad to have sports back. Um, but I still think it's a little early to have people in stadiums. And I still yeah. think it's a little dangerous. So, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Well, in lifestyle news, um, I guess this is the opportunity to talk about race. Drew, the saga of Drew Brees. Was exactly. interesting. What did Drew Brees do? Because I read this in the uh, in the the you know. So recap. In an interview, so I guess we could start with like a full timeline for people who have been living under a rock. But basically, Drew Brees in an interview, when asked um, kind of his thoughts on the protests um, with the NFL and if they're going to be kneeling, he said, and I'm paraphrasing here. If you want the full quote, there there is actually a full quote. Hopefully, I do it justice here. But basically, I won't. Um, I can't get over someone disrespecting the flag. Yeah, he basically said, I don't give a, uh, he basically says, I don't give a beep about black people, and uh, <laughs> I fight with Donald Trump, and that is, that is long not live white supremacy. <laughs> hey, can, can I just, can I, uh, can I bring up kind of an opinion that I think hasn't been stated on this thing? Okay. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think we've got a problem with our media, Yes. When they, uh, like, I don't care what Drew Brees' opinion is on the riots. It's like, this guy, he's a football player. Play football. You're not a political expert. Well, Why are you putting a microphone in this guy's face asking what he thinks of the protests? Like, y- y- you know what I mean? Like, it's... Sorry, uh, 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 I didn't hear what he did. No, I'm saying they probably asked him about the protests because it directly, like, affects... The players and and uh, and also it's probably going to be resurged this season. But part, but I had an opinion on this because I was thinking like part of why people are so frustrated and why there's so many marching. Yeah, the the video of George Floyd was disturbing, but I think part of the reason why Kaepernick protest was not only to highlight, which was the main reason to highlight police brutality. But also to fight back against like establishments and like the NFL's like control over the players. Like they just signed a collective bargaining agreement and that was terrible for the players. And just showing unity as as uh, as players kind of makes the NFL nervous. So I think like part of it is the fact that like to show like you can't control us, you can't control every decision we want to make. If we want to stand up for something we believe in, then um, then, th- then you're gonna sh- see our collective unity and the fact that that like the media is highlighting 
one thing that Drew Brees said. Like, it's just a way to divide us. Like, it it's really it's really um, it's really like ignorant of Drew Brees to say what he said. But also, like, Stefano's kind of right about the fact that like we really shouldn't care about what Drew Brees is saying. But it's just a way to divide us. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, can I give my uh, sure? Man. There's um, there's more there's more to the timeline, but sure, go ahead and then. There's I'll, more to the timeline. Yeah, but go ahead. I, I want you to get your voice up. I just think that um, for a long time, the NFL has kind of been a symbol of the exploitation of, uh, I don't want to say minorities, but exploitation of the specifically gifted members of particular groups of people. Um, and they just predominantly just so happen to be black. But for some reason, you don't see Michael Jordans in NFL in terms of you don't see an athlete who's so gifted and so marketable that he eventually becomes a billionaire in his own right and becomes um, uh, an owner in his own right. All uh, of the Jeremy, NFL- I just want Jeremy to, to weigh in on that because that, that sounds that a little iffy to me. Is it is it is is that true? Um. Yeah, they don't tend to market. They don't tend to market individual players. Like even the most marketable person in the NFL, Tom Brady, he is someone who they still bring the hammer down on. And um, yeah, I think David's right. I think the NFL definitely does um, exploit the talents of the players, and um, and I think the NFL owners go where the money goes. So. Yeah, their um, economic values are largely conservative, but they just kind of they kind of say whatever they need to say to like keep their businesses. But um, I think there needs to be more my, minority ownership in in the NFL. Minority minority ownership in the NFL. Yeah, um, th- that owner may very well still go where the money goes. But he'll be able to have a voice in those meetings to to uh, kind of bring like at least some kind of knowledge into like the room of those owners. Yeah, and for me, it's almost deeper because yeah, you're right. They'll say they'll just go. I think the perfect example that they'll just go where the money goes, and why I totally understand why people are freaking out to the Drew Brees thing um, is because this is the same organization that blackballed. Colin Kaepernick um, for taking a knee and pretty much was like, yeah, uh, we don't really care about whatever issue you're talking about. But all of a sudden, because it's a hot button popular issue now, I, I think I saw a quote from like the commissioner coming out and yeah, saying Roger Goodell came out and about like, oh, yeah, we should have dealt with that. Differently. Like when all of us were screaming at them, like you're doing this wrong. Why are you doing this? What you're doing is wrong. He's like, hmm, no. But now, several years later, when his career is already like in another stage, it, it, it's so easy to go back and say, "Yeah, we we, in we got it wrong." You should have did better, you know. It's it's kind. I just want to. I just want to. And, and for me, how it relates to the Drew Reese things is once again, you have, and we can go into like the historical. And I'm no expert in football, so I don't want to pretend. But I just watch a lot, consume a lot of media, and a lot of <clears throat> a lot of like literature 
is tied. There's a lot of literature on this stuff in terms of like quarterbacks and what they're supposed to look like versus the rest of the support cast. Um, and it just once again feeds into that narrative of how can you be supported, surrounded by so many people who are impacted by this thing and yet still be so out of touch with with like the emotions of those people. Um, I'm not saying hang Drew Brees by the cross, obviously. Uh, he's He can still throw a football, whatever he wants. I just think like it, it's really... It's really interesting that you keep seeing these. Uh, even Tom Brady, if I'm not mistaken, is a, like a Trump supporter. Like, can you imagine that? Like, I think you're friends with Trump. I don't know uh, if he's everything. I, I'm gonna have to cut you guys because I, I need to get through the the timeline. Okay, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. Go on. We're, yeah, we're just talking. Sorry, yeah, and yeah, because there's more to it. Because Drew Brees actually did come out and apologize. He, yeah. he released a statement. He did. Um, yeah, I know that. Yeah, and. The statement basically goes as, as uh, after speaking to some family and some friends, I realized what I said was hurtful and sensitive. And I realized that the protest is not about the flag. It's, you know, about a serious issue in police brutality. Uh, Donald Trump, right, goes on. How is that possible? Hmm? Sorry. So you buy that, that now he just had a conversation and now he realizes no, he spoke uh, PR there, team. There's more to the top. Let, let me explain this. Let me explain this block. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me explain this block, and then after you can be furious or not furious. Because like, if I don't explain the whole block, then you're, you're gonna. What's gonna end up happening is you're gonna say something, and then like you might change your mind. And then you okay, go for it. Go for it. So I just want to present the facts as go they are. Go for it. Go for it. Um, <laughs> sorry. I'm emotional. I'm emotional. Whatever. I know. I know. So what ended up happening is Donald Trump actually came out um, and kind of, and said, was in support of Drew Brees, uh, saying that they should respect, in the idea of, and I'm paraphrasing, yeah. in the idea of respecting the flag, um, and thought he shouldn't have to apologize. And Drew Brees actually um, shot back at Donald Trump saying, no, my apology was genuine and sincere, and I get it now, and this is a serious issue that we need to deal with in police brutality. Right. Given all those facts, right, this is now the answer. Do you think Drew Brees was genuine? Do you not think it? What's your initial thoughts? Okay. Go. He's genuine. Let's just say that. He's genuine. But I'm still not happy that he's genuine. What do you mean you now get it? Hey, hey, sorry, gents. What did I miss? Nothing. But no. Are we still on? Are we still on that quarterback? We are still on the court. Basically, I just, I just said that Drew Brees apologized. Donald Trump tried to – so, Cole's notes. Drew Brees apologized. Donald Trump said he shouldn't have apologized. And Drew Brees said, no, I, I am genuine in my apology. Go. Go. Uh, yeah, I mean, of course he apologized. He realized he put his foot in his mouth. Exactly. He spoke with his PR team, and the PR team told him, like, no, this is, this is the side you want to be on. Like, forget all your sponsorship, forget all, like, don't worry, that'll be there after the virus. But for right now, you better, like, be on this side of the fence because people are going to be mad. And, and you know what? Fair enough. I'm not saying Drew Brees is a racist. I don't know who Drew, I don't know him enough, you know? But all I'm going to say is that I guess that's why people are mad, that how can you be surrounded by so many black people and not understand it? Up until you spoke yeah. to family and friends recently. Like, what? Like, well, that doesn't yeah. even make sense. Genuine or not, Drew Brees has to be on this side because it goes a long way with his teammates. What he said in response to Donald Trump's tweet went a long way to smooth things over with his teammates 
Because if he doesn't, he's not going to have a successful year. He's not going to gel well with his teammates. They're not going to respect him as a captain. They're not going to respect him as a leader. When the Saints, when the Saints go, when the Saints compete on Sundays, when the Saints compete on Sundays, the person who's motivating the team is Drew Brees. He leads their chat. He leads everything. So if that, so if that, if that person is has has if he's um, lost the room. Yeah, if he's lost, yeah, he's not going to be. Room. Thank you. If he's but lost, he's not going to be. Saying or not, he had to. I know. I'm not saying. I'm not saying Drew Brees is in the clear or in the wrong. But what he did was smart to respond to Donald Trump because that shows that okay, he's 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 giving the. I don't want to say illusion, but he's giving the impression. Impression. Giving the impression that okay, I've learned from my ways. I will say I will say this before we kind of move on, or if anyone wants um, final thoughts, is that when Derek Carr, there was a situation with Derek Carr, the Oakland Raiders quarterback, when um, he had a career year, and they kind of asked him about the kneeling because he had a career year during the kneeling year, Colin Kaepernick. Jeremy, correct me if I'm wrong on this situation, and he basically went something along the lines, and I'm paraphrasing here of, you know, all lives matter, <laughs> right? Now. Here's what ended up happening to Derek Carr. He proceeded to have a career year in sacks allowed, right? Meaning he got sacked the most he's ever got, ever been in his career. Now, I'm not saying guys, guys let him get hit. But what I am saying, though, is it does speak to this whole thing of you'd be very surprised how much team camaraderie matters in sports like football, Especially when, you know, it comes to race relations. So maybe yeah. Drew Brees is thinking, "Oh crap," and you know, yeah, that that's yeah, that's that's that could be another component to it for sure. Also, I think I think based on everything that's transpired, I think the NFL is damn near obligated to give Kaepernick a good job. Yeah, but it doesn't work. I out. agree. They, they they chased him out of the league for expressing his views. You know, the same side of the aisle that claims to be all about freedom of speech has, you know, essentially blackballed someone for expressing their opinion peacefully. And now look where we are. So well, unfortunately, it's been three years. He's lost three years of his part. Like what's going to happen now for him? You know, and like, yeah, that was just a little aside. That's all. Anyway, you guys want to talk about UFC? Sure. No. Oh, did, wait, hold on, hold on. Aren't we going to discuss the uh, the whole retirement thing first, as as a bit of news? Um, you guys the want to talk about the retirement before UFC, or you want to talk it, about the retirements after? Because I have a bit of a view on this. If you guys don't want to talk about it, I'm happy to skip over no, it. But I have spend more time on the retirement stuff because we we're all there for the UFC. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, we we're all there for the companion sh- companion show. So let's go I, with the. U- Sorry. Go. Um. Uh, Oh, no, I, I was just going to say, I definitely agree with you, what you said earlier, that we should give the bantamweight division its, uh, you know, it's... Yeah. Uh, it's just look- desserts, because that yeah. was... They, they had a night. They had a night last night. But anyway, okay, fine. Let's focus on after UFC 250, because some, some news came down that um, probably the biggest star in MMA, Conor McGregor... Why, why am I saying probably? No, for sure, the biggest star in MMA, uh, Conor McGregor, uh, tweeted out that he's retiring. <clears throat> this from his Twitter page, and I quote, hold on, give me a second to get this quote. 
See, you know, when you get your news from the phone, it's so much harder than having it on the computer, but whatever. Um, but he said, and I quote, Hey guys, I've decided to retire from fighting. Thank you all for the amazing memories. What a ride it has been. When asked about it, Dana White actually kind of referenced Jones and Masvidal in the sense that things are a little crazy. No one knows what's going on right now. Um, this, that, and the third. Um, and I'm paraphrasing, and he's basically saying if guy, if this is a profession where if guys don't want to fight, they don't have to fight, right? If they want to retire, Cla- they can classic Dana White response. Did you right. hear what the said? It doesn't excite him anymore. Yeah. Yeah. He said it doesn't excite him, but mind you, I'd like to say that for McGregor, this is par for the course. He's fake retired, you know, more times than I can remember. Yeah, yeah. So it just it's interesting for me because it seems like all at once, if we're including Henry Cejudo, um, four or five of the UFC's biggest stars, John Jones, Cejudo, uh, Masvidal, and McGregor, that's four, have all kind of uh, collectively, yeah, yeah. Mm. retired or asked for their release in the case of John Jones or Masvidal. So I think the UFC is panicking a bit. Now, I don't know if this is a part of some coordinated coordinated effort and the more conspiratorial side of me wants me to think that it is. Even if it's just coincidence, though, the UFC has to be quaking in their boots. And at this point, I think the UFC has a history of obstinance and not realizing... um, you know, the gift that they have in some of these fighters. Um, and if at a time like this, where they have an opportunity to, I think, capture a lot of the the, the sports market because there's nothing else on, if Masvidal wants X amount of money, throw it at him, right? You're building an island for God's sakes. Pay your pay your damn stars, make a nice card, you know? like Dana White said he did not buy an island. He said yeah. he said that. I'm just saying. I'm presenting facts. Go ahead. Okay. I know, but he did. He did the classic Dana White pivot where he said, "I did not buy an island," and I said this a million times. And then instead of explaining what he actually did, he just said, "I didn't buy an island." So blah blah blah, and, and just kind of pivoted to the next thing. I don't trust a thing that comes out of that man's mouth. Yeah, man. I don't trust a thing that comes out of. Dana I'm just presenting facts. <laughs> well, facts don't care about your feelings, okay? Whoa, I don't even know where to begin with this one because I think like there's so many levels to it. If you think about it, we're in the middle of a pandemic. What is the only sport that is willing that was first and was willing to pay for everybody's uh, COVID-19 testing, even when it was still like there were there were still like health workers who didn't have access to like PPE yet for some reason. The UFC fighters has a bunch of COVID nine. Sorry, UFC has a bunch of COVID nineteen testing. So they must have thrown a ridiculous bag. They, yeah. they must have thrown so much money at that. And Dana White even said it. Like most sports aren't coming back, not because of like the health risk, but because of the financial implications. It's expensive right. to run an isolated sporting event. Put that in one second. Put that in one uh, into one basket or whatever. Then you also got what's it called? The Disney deal which is still pretty new, or the ESPN deal, or whatever you want to call it. It's still happening. The Mickey Mouse deal. They're still making money. So, And they definitely got some money up front. So they have money in the bank. They're still making money. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm not an expert on the deal or anything, but it's not even like a... 
is like a licensing deal. So they technically still own the product and yeah. they pay a portion of like the profit that they make, which is an amazing deal. I don't know how they did that. I want to speak with their, <laughs> with their negotiator or whatever, but they're making money. The UFC is making money somehow, some way. They're making money. Their parent company is not. The parent yes. company is not. But and the parent company, a lot of times, a lot of parent companies exist really just to function the main subsidiary. You know what I mean? Like it's a weird. It's so that you can, or you can run your organization without taking on the risk. Does yeah, that yeah, yeah. The, 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 I, I agree. Just, I, just to quickly interject. The UFC, I think, is one of the only of their financial properties that is lucrative right now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, like all their other pro- – it's not just the parent company, but all their other financial properties aren't making money at the moment. Exactly. Exactly. So – and if I'm not mistaken, it's like a WME, like Dana White owns a part of it, if I'm not mistaken. Like it's like a consortium of like – like, um, I, I don't know about that. I can't, I can't confirm or deny. I can't that. confirm or deny. Okay. Fake news, fake news, fake news. But my point is the UFC is making a bunch of money. Um, I can see as a fighter, we, you're seeing how many people are watching. You're seeing this sport being on ESPN. You're seeing the company has enough money to, as you said, buy rent, even if it's just rent, an island, to, and you know, pay for t- kits, sorry, for testing kits and pay for people to stay in locations. And they're like, yeah, bring your family. don't matter. Like they have enough and pay for flights in and out. Like how much money is that? Yeah. And then you they see how John Jones sees like a contract that doesn't make sense to him. And then all of a sudden he's like, wait a second. So you're buying all of this stuff and I can't get a bag. <laughs> like know? it really does. Like, I, I'm sorry. I'm on Conor McGregor's slide. I can't believe I'm saying that, but. No, me as well. Conor McGregor, John Jones, all of them. Like these are proven stars who have, you know, taken fights essentially whenever they're asked. With this, with, you know, with in the instance of Masvidal, Jones, McGregor, all of them haven't turned down a well Jones that one time. But you know, once you get into that position of being a champion, you know, you 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 have the right you have the right to do that. They asked them Chael Sonnen on like two days notice. Yeah, you you have the right to do that as a champion, even though John Jones in all you know we saw what happened between him and Chael Sonnen. It was more of um. I guess like an ideological move than a practical strategic one, more of like a, no, you can't just switch an opponent on two days notice and expect that everything's going to be copacetic. Who by, the way is this, who, by the way, is a training partner of the last opponent, you know, yeah. he schedules for me. It's, it's, it's but, insane. But no, I agree. And I think my hope is that in this moment, we can bring about just a little bit of greater solidarity between the fighters where we have some kind of collective bargaining agreement maybe <laughs> where oh, the UFC using those words mm. but no. we'll we'll see because it seems like in this highly individualistic sport everyone's trying to pull up the ladder behind them right and uh, fighters aren't exactly inclined to think of the next man they're inclined to think of you know lining their own pockets which fair enough I can understand that but um, yeah we'll, we'll see this isn't the only individual sport like there are many other well-paying individual sports and i just think that for so long we've gotten so used to this format if that makes any sense like this business model that we've kind of accepted it's like oh yeah you need an organization and you need to fight in the organization why can't you be an independent contractor bouncing from organization to organization getting checks getting sponsorship they have a tournament here you just compete in the tournament why can't it be because, like golf? Because if tennis? John Jones were to lose to Ryan Bader and Bellator, 
Bellator, the bump Bellator gets. But think about it this way. If Serena you know was, Williams loses the French Open, does that mean that she can't win the U.S. Open? Like, yeah, no, it, it, it was like that. PA. That's not the it, same thing. David's, right? got a, David's got a point, though. It was like that in the earlier days of the sport, back when the UFC didn't necessarily have a monopoly on. No, but then Pat uh, Miletic goes on to lose everywhere else but the UFC, and it makes the UFC look bad, right? This is this is the point I'm trying to make. One guy. This blaming no, one Randy guy. Couture. Hold on. Randy Couture. Chuck Liddell. Like, there's lots of examples of this, of the reason why Dana White wants to keep guys no, it's it, it's true, but it's like you can't have your cake and eat it too. These people That's can be independent it. contractors, or they can be, you know, employees. They can be employees, one or the other. You can't call them independent contractors when they want to unionize, uh, but at the same time, when they want to take fights elsewhere, you know, remind them that they're yeah, There's no compete clause. Yeah, yeah so really, ridiculous. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm just trying to explain like this. It's not like unfounded in, in, you know, it's not like, oh, yeah, this is a systemic. No, it's it's founded in evidence that like, hey, if you if you are to, to take people outside of other organizations and put them in other places, it does tend to devalue your product. Right. And so it's from a risk perspective. But that's from the organization's perspective, mm-hmm. from the um, fighters perspective. That doesn't matter. Like, why, why would I care about that? Why should yeah. I have loyalty to Absolutely. the organization? Right, but and that's why they, I that's think why I think they put that in the contract. That's all I'm I, saying. All I'm I think saying in the long run, do what yeah. I think in the long run, because the UFC kind of does have a monopoly on, um, you know, the elite level of MMA at this point. And while I think it would be better for the fighters in the short term to be able to shop out their talents, I think the UFC should be ma- moving in the direction of, you know treating their employees more like employees and treating them better, compensating them better. And I think in the long run, you know, one fact that a lot of companies fail to understand is that happier employees are going to make for a better business. You know, here's where, and and I want to kind of get Jeremy in on this too, but I just want to make this point is that here's where I'm, I always noticed, I kind of saw this coming was when the UFC decided to go with Reebok because (laughs) a lot of the fighters didn't like had residual income and, and multiple streams of revenue coming in, right? Where, you know, you hear stories of guys making half a million to a million dollars. Sometimes more. Sometimes more, effectively being in the middle class of the UFC just because they they were able to market themselves in a way where they got lots of sponsors. And, you know, say what you will, but Condom Depot on, on, on the back of your trunks, but Condom Depot paid. And, and you know, does look, I'm, I'm not one of those people who says – um, that you can't make a branding deal work for the fighters. I think you can if you're if it's just the way that UFC executed re, the Reebok deal was so bad for the fighters that you're starting to see the cracks start to come in. And now I think with the pandemic going on and a lot of issues as a result of it, that's where the fighters are now starting. Now that's where you're starting to see that avalanche of the ball rolling. But truthfully to me, I think the ball was rolling in 2014 when that Reebok deal came in. Was it 2014? Sorry. Was it 2014, 2015 area? That's yeah, where to yeah. me where I think the yeah, ball was starting so. to roll. I'm just looking. I'm just looking up when the Reebok deal ends. Oh, the Reebok deal is that's over. Good. It ends at the, um, it expires at the end of 2020. Yeah, so like we'll see like the UFC, whatever uh, is going to happen at the end of the Reebok deal is already in motion. Now, I've heard speaking of which, because I, I agree with you, Mike, I feel like a lot of discontent came from the Reebok deal and like um, 
a lot of vitriol was directed towards Reebok, and rightfully so, because they just simply gave the fighters a, the bad end of the stick. Reebok gear is ugly as hell, and just cutting fighters' pay, um, one of their main st- sources of, uh, of revenue is just not justified, but we'll see. Um, I heard that... I heard from LT that on his podcast that um, they weren't going to continue the rebuttal. I know and continue it. They've lost a lot of CrossFit at this point. So who knows? They're going to be desperate for some kind of, of brand deal. Um, but whatever the UFC has in motion, there, there's probably some back deal negotiations going on already that we don't know about that we'll Definitely. find out about soon. Definitely. Whether whether they're going to open it up back to fighters having their own sponsors or not, we'll, we'll have to find out. I want to hear Jeremy's point on this, but I also, just before that, want to say that... Um, the Disney deal has to come into play as well because if you have Disney, so I keep saying Disney, ESPN, same same difference. Mickey if Mouse, Disney. If you have Mickey Mouse as your sponsors, there's some sponsors you're not going to be able to have, regardless of you know how much freedom you want to give your fighters. You're not going to get a condom depot ad on a USC or or, or dude dude wipes. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to get sponsored. Tyron Woodley, what are the Jeremy, what are you what, what are you going to say? What are you going to say? I think uh, Conor McGregor is um, being phony. Uh, I think that he's trying to get his name in the news cycle. But um, yeah. we're not all all sporting all sporting corporations aren't like the NBA that naturally had to give power to the players because it's the players who who generate. Well, it is for other corporations too, but. It's different because the NBA had Michael Jordan and he made their their entire league a global brand while these other corporations kind of are naturally uh, grandfathered into like the American culture, the American way of life. So they're allowed to like exploit their um, players or fighters. So like it's just like what's going on in the NFL, like w- like what like I'm kind of conspiratorial to. And the fact that the kneeling was a way to uh, put power into the hands of the players. Um, <clears throat> I feel like uh, it's something you need to do. You need to be radical. If it's true that these uh, fighters are kind of uh, seceding from the under the thumb of the of Dana White and the UFC, you kind of have to be radical to, you know, bring about change. So um, if, if that's what they want to do, you know, more power to them. I got two things to say following up, man, because two things that feed into the my conspiracy uh, theory of why this could be a money play. Number one, if you remember um, Conor McGregor's last interview for the UFC, they asked him, what are your goals? Now that you've made so much money, what are your goals? He literally says, I want to be the first billionaire um, MMA fighter. He literally says that. He's like, I, I'm almost there, um, but, you know, I got a long way to go. Because he saw how much money he made from the Floyd fight. And he's exactly. like, oh, fighters can make this much money? Exactly. Exactly. So that's number one. Number two, this week they also announced Cristiano Ronaldo is the first billionaire soccer player. So if you combine that with, you know, uh, Messi, who's going to follow him, like, in two seconds, uh, Michael Jordan, um, what's it called, uh, LeBron James, I Maybe not Michael Jordan, LeBron James, because they're kind of different. But we're biased because I don't know. We're just biased. But are you trying to tell me that Conor McGregor isn't as famous as Ronaldo? 
That's internationally, not- I would say I would say no, just because abroad Ronaldo has so okay. much. How about a tenth as famous? I would yeah, I would definitely say he's probably in the forty percent as famous. You know like what I mean? Say. Like yeah. I can see why he would be like. Because like, like, like Europe, you know, and a lot of people hear about Conor McGregor. Like you, he, he's he's a household name basically, right? Taking, so, no, forget Conor McGregor. Even John Jones, he says that he wants to leave. Uh, they say he wants thirty million dollars for the Ngannou fight, and they're like, "Oh, that's so ridiculous." Is it that ridiculous? How much is right? like, like but, how but much? First of all, that's not what he even asked for. That's not even what he asked for. Even but, if it is, yeah, even if I it mean, is, he deserves is that, it. Is that so bad? Is that and so it, bad? It's. I don't it's think not, it's so bad at all. It's like. Man, especially when the UFC is in a in a time where you're going to be struggling to make big fights at this moment, right? It's it's. LeBron James make a year, a year. Are you trying to say that John Jones works less? I'm not saying like you know, and I know that it's not how much you work and it's not meritocracy. There's other factors, but I'm just saying like as a a competitor and as an athlete, I'm seeing my brethren making. 10 times, 100 times as much money as I'm making, guaranteed, and I'm sitting here risking my life. Like, Yeah, I would say, I would agree, I would agree sorry, with you. I would say it's not, it's not a meritocracy, unfortunately. It's how much revenue you can generate. And John Jones is sitting back looking at all the revenue he's generated for the UFC over the years, and John Jones is, is a star, right? He might not be a money-making star on the level of a Brock Lesnar or of a Conor McGregor, but he is a big draw john jones and sitting back and looking at all the money he's generated for the ufc it's like hey why don't i get a larger slice of the pie especially when i'm coming in at the last minute like superman to you know save you during the pandemic put on a big fight against francis and i think he has every right to be uh you know a little bit upset and i, I you know and, and remember also i think uh thank you i also feel like anything can happen as a fighter look at tyron woodley who was a star, pretty much, of equal or maybe slightly under John Jones um, kind of uh, range. Significantly under John yeah, Jones. Yeah, like, and he, he was dominant for years, like years. But now, now he's top liver after two straight losses. Exactly. Right? Imagine so, if he made $20 million. Like, you know what I mean? Like, to, to be honest, though, Tyron, I don't think was ever that big of a draw. Um, I'm, I, think, I think part of that is owing to his style – you know, well, he does produce some very emphatic knockouts. He was involved in a lot of, you know, fans that the casuals didn't necessarily appreciate. You know, your Damian Maya fight, your second Wonder Boy fight. But so, in fairness to him, though, Damian Maya is one of those fighters where he's. If Damian Maya has his way, that fight, if fights are like watching paint dry with him. It's yeah. Hey, I'm I'm not I'm not saying that I don't think that his performances were nasty. Necessary or like I'm 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 of the opinion you fight exact however you have to fight in order to win right I don't fault him for it all I'm just saying how the casuals perceived it right I think what he was able to do on his streak was uh, incredible even if it wasn't the most fan friendly style at times you know yeah man we just need to pay the fighters man and we need to switch our brains from agreeing with everything that you know the corporations and the authorities tell us and you know support the little guys that's just right. how I, I feel yeah I I, I I want to point this out too, and and this is the the whole thing is that to me, I, I just I'm very disappointed in just kind of the way like Dana is very hard headed when it comes to kind of not just money but like amenities for these guys. Like 
you know, you hear kind of some of the things where the fighters have to pay for their own training camp, right? For example, and that's the way it's always been. But should it be that way? Should the UFC not help out with that? Like, good, what, good should they point. not give out st- that's a great stipend? Right. What, so that is yeah. do you train and you well, I mean, you know, other, they pay for nutritionists and then and Dana White gets mad at Nico Montano for for cutting missing weight. And and she he should be he should be because that's that's not fair. Right. But, you know, maybe pay yeah. for her nutritionist or or at least subsidize to help her pay for a nutritionist. I, right. You know, I, I agree. I agree with Mike, because when you when you see the purses that these fighters are making, we assume that, you know, 30 grand per fight is 30 grand per fight. It's not. Training camps are expensive, man. <laughs> they are like taxed. Yeah. Can, can you imagine? Can you imagine a business that said, hey, um, here's your paycheck, but but all the expenses that you've incurred doing work for us, we're going to take that out of your paycheck. Yeah, right? you only get 50%. Well, like, we'll, you, you only get 50% if you actually complete the, if you don't really complete the job. We'll only give you 50% if we don't like how you're doing. Oh, yeah, and then we'll leave it in the face of three guys. You don't know who the guys are. You don't know whether they have mixed martial arts experience. They're just three guys who are just judging whether you get your full paycheck. Like, it's crazy. So yeah, right. Yeah. And so, so yeah. to me, I think like we talk a lot about the money too, but like the, I think the other things matter, right? Like, I, and you know, I all I'm saying is when you when you talk about the NBA, right? Um, they're making so much more money that they can kind of pay for training and stuff. But I think you know things like let fighters have. I, here's a crazy idea: three sponsorships, three approved sponsorships sure. on like their next brand deal. Three approved sponsorships. Radical ideas. Like that's a pretty reasonable idea. That's, that's so reasonable. reasonable. You have you have one like look. Let me one of your shorts. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring up my, my MMA shorts. So, okay, but we gotta keep this. No, no let me keep it short. To, right. So these yeah. are my MMA shorts for the for the YouTube audience. Right. These are my MMA shorts. The Akatsuki, Right. Why not have an MMA approved sponsorship here, here, and on the back? Three sponsorships. Let fighters make some money there, right? That's it. Why not? Why not have a, a subsidize of we will pay? Here's here's a thought. Here's here's something crazy. Fifteen percent of your training camp, your nutritionist. There you go. Because guys will jack up their training. And I'm not here to make excuses for the UFC anymore, man. But just just pay the fighters. Yeah, right. exactly. Can 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 we pivot now? Because it's five thirty. Yeah, we, gotta, we haven't yes. we haven't we haven't talked about the fights and. I also, if you guys don't mind, have a little fantasy matchup I want to discuss at the end of the podcast. Sure. I think you guys might appreciate it. Fair, fair. Okay. Um, let me throw these out. Okay. Okay. Now. <laughs> wow. With such flippancy. Hilarious. You better also, be cleaning. I just, hey, you better be cleaning your room later. Like Jordan Peterson said. Clean your room, bucko. Jordan Peterson? Yeah, he's, like Jordan he's very Peterson. big on cleaning the rooms. <laughs> cleaning the rooms. It's, I, it's, it's not that weird. I don't like him. I just think he's overrated. Um, but Yeah, no, we don't need to go into my thoughts about Jordan Peterson <laughs> and his hack science. Um, I, I want to begin with by saying... Clean your room, Marco! I want to apologize to everyone for my craziness yesterday, because the more I thought about it... The, the more Felicia Spencer got whooped? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, what, what were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, David, man. I was wondering if I was wondering if you were having a stroke over yeah, here. Yeah, man. I'm like, guys, who's in this? Right. I I was so shocked. I'm like, I'm like, 
Guys, no, this is this is an this is an ass kicking. You like know what I'm I grew for the underdog so much that like I just really wanted her to be in that fight. But no. I, I guess I guess we know what Steve Mazzagatti was thinking all those years. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you can do it. You can do it. So what? You're knocked oh, out. Man. Like, come back to oh, life. <laughs> Especially if you consider like some of the stuff that like, you know, we'd said earlier, like, you know, if it goes to the ground, Amanda Nunes could really be tested. Dude, but you know what? There was, there was no test. Dude, okay. You know what really shocked me? It wasn't just like Amanda Nunes striking, having a field day, but she was just so much more physically stronger yes. than Felicia Spencer. And then you look at Felicia Spencer versus Cyborg and strength wise, like Cyborg was definitely a stronger of the two, but it wasn't so it wasn't like that much of a gap. Like it was with Nunez and Spencer. Yeah, Cyborg, Cy- Cyborg's strong and she's a big hitter. But one thing that really surprised me—I don't know if you guys remember the uh, the Holly Holm Cyborg fight. <clears throat> Thinking back on that fight, Holly Holm for long stretches of time was able to press Cyborg up against the cage and just kind of control her there with double underhooks. She didn't really end up t- capitalizing on that on that and doing anything with it, which ended up leading her to lose the fight. But. I genuinely think Amanda Nunes has a different sort of physicality from most of the women in the division, right? Like she's just so much stronger, right? And 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 she just that's that's what I was talking about in the in the fight companion was she's more of an athlete than a lot of these girls. Like yeah, I want to say that, and that was one other thought that I've had a little bit more time to ruminate on is that um just. Oh, hilarious athletic <laughs> athletics or athleticism is a really loose concept it like, is it like is a football an athlete in football is different from an athlete in basketball when we say explosion in mma that means different from in soccer than like, yeah. in, like tennis or in every sport like it's different so i don't know it's necessarily that she's more athletic because there's other good athletes no i i get i get what you're trying to say and i do agree to an extent but i would say this if we were to run a combine right an mma combine game nfl style do the bench press do the 40 yard do the do the jump right i think amanda nunez would do really well in comparison to a lot of these girls am i wrong i agree i agree that she's athletic but also when i see amanda nunez fight i see somebody who's like hitting to her when yeah. I see when I see a lot of women fight, like it's sometimes a lot of them. It seems like they're just trying to land their punches and not get hit in return. When I see a man in a Nunes fight, I see someone hitting to hurt, like not just like it, in football too. You see somebody like who's just trying to tackle somebody, and then somebody who's actually trying to like decapitate you. Like it, like when when a man in Nunes was was punching Felicia Spencer last night, it, it, she was trying to break her face. <laughs> yeah. I think no, I'm just going to say like really quickly. I think she fights like a bully in the yeah, Exactly. A bully. Absolutely. Almost like cyborg esque in like, she just bites down and she's just willing to hit you kind of like nobody else. It, only yeah. cyborg is the only other fighter, female fighter that I can think that does that. I would I would say as well. I think power in in your hands is a bit more of a rarity in the female divisions. Oh, yeah. by the way, you're not you're not thinking about um, 
as far as fighters who are biting down and try to hurt you. Don't forget my girl Jessica Andrade. But oh, sure, um, sure, yeah, I think. But she's not nearly the But again, she's not. No, no, no. Athlete. No, I agree. I agree. But I'm just saying, I think power in one's hands is much more of a rarity in the female divisions. Um, and when when a when uh when a woman has truly like is gifted with that power like Amanda Nunes, um. It's it's it stands out. It really stands out. Like even even Valentina, who's you know as much as I like to to joke about Valentina, she's oh yeah, I'll, uh, Valentina's um, an elite level striker. But a lot of her knockouts come by way of kick, right? Or they come yeah. by way of her her. It's just Amanda. She's whatever at the right time. Really. She, yeah, and she's gifted with the kind of physiology that's going to produce just concussive force in all of her limbs. It's, and the thing for Amanda too is long limbs, long limbs. She's got telephone pole arms, right? And she's she's turning into that that right. I always say it's like a straight mix with an overhand because the angle that she throws at it's a straight, yeah, by technicality. But she's coming like almost over the top into the yeah. temple of these girls yeah. and hitting them, turning in with force. And and it's a concept that you know we we all know like. Everyone who's kind of taught a martial arts class or or been in a martial arts class, your your teacher will always say, you know, turn your hips on those punches. They'll always say you want to turn those hips, and that's the example I'm talking about. You got she just the way she turns into things. You know what I'm saying? And and you know Felicia just was not ready. And then you compare in comparison to Felicia, and you know uh, as much as a lot of jokes I made about her being slow, the cumbersome aspect in comparison to Amanda really stood out because Amanda yeah. is fluid and Felicia, you know, aside from a couple kicks she threw here and there, did not look like the same. Yeah, it's not even just Amanda is fluid, I agree. Oh, um, but she's also tall. She's just as big as any girl in the division. She's also just as strong. She can like, you know, stronger. Stronger, you know what I mean? Like, it's not yeah. just that she's, you know, like, uh, super fluid with everything. She's also, um, like, physical as well with it. So she, I think yeah. she's a good combination of, like, the two different aspects of, like, skill and also physicality as well. You know what? You, you know I think what helps is that she's proportionately strong. She's not bottom-heavy. She's not top-heavy. Every part of her, phys- of her physique uh, looks like she can generate power from any position like it's 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 very um it's very it's a rarity it's a rarity yeah. do, you, do you know what's something else i find fascinating about amanda nunez while we're waxing lyrical about her i think one thing that i i appreciate about her and don't take this as an insult it's it's a compliment she's a fighter that uh has a small set of tools that she utilizes in the octagon and utilizes them very very scientifically and very well right she's got her thunderous low kick she's got that one two with uh that sometimes she'll throw as an overhand and sometimes like mike said it kind of sneaks over the top as well and last night she kind of added that rear uppercut into a left hook like she doesn't have that many tools that she throws but she mixes those few tools up so so well you know like very she has a very almost like um a michael johnson i'd say where it's like a few strikes used in a very sophisticated way if only Michael Johnson, well, you know, no, I, I don't want to throw shade at fighters. Shout out Michael Johnson, man. But yeah, Michael Johnson could do with asking Amanda Nunes how to stay as consistent with his one twos. Because, yeah, you're right with his, his length. And I feel like he throws more looping punches. Michael um, Johnson? Yeah. The I don't know. When he's on his game, he's throwing it. 
great jab cross. He's also a southpaw. But the, the hey, problem with him is he's just so fast that when he that okay, like oh he's gotten away with it, right? I think it's an athleticism thing. He's get he's over the hill a little bit. But anyway, anyway, um, you guys want to talk about the bantamweight? Yeah, can I? I wanted to. Can I lead in? I want to ask you guys a question and. Because we saw three great matchups at Bantamweight, three spectacular finishes. And I wanted to ask you, who are you most excited to see out of the three uh, fights? Like, whose career are you most excited to follow coming up between Aljo, Sean O'Malley, and um, thing? Cody Garbrandt. And Cody, my boy Cody. Whose career are you most excited to see progress? Can I start? Uh, uh, can I start? Jay Super. Sorry, go on. Yeah. <laughs> can, can I start? Um, I would say Aljo. I think the evolution of Aljo is going to be very interesting. Um, the way he just the way he just jumped on Corey Sandhagen's back was was masterful. Um, you know, and I think this is a guy who I, the reason why I want him to progress in comparison to everybody else is this is a guy who's intelligent. Um, you know what I'm saying? He's he's smart. He's well read, um, and you can tell in the way he speaks. The way even on the Joe Rogan podcast when he made his appearance, very smart guy, very intelligent, very well read. Um, but he still kind of has that feel and that air about him of you know a guy that you'd like to have a, a party with, a beer with. He doesn't seem over your head in a way, and so you know now that now that we're starting to now see those skills. I think this guy could be the next star of the UFC and even better. I think he's the one who will finally get, cause I think it happens more with, so with the black community in MMA than with the white community, but we're going to see a guy who's going to make people respect grappling martial arts. Yes. Because right now I still think there's a disconnect between the black community and the respect for grappling martial arts. I see it in the gym a lot, right? How many I black guys it. have you seen call grappling gay? It's it's not uncommon, is it? Right. And so this is right. A lot of guys, you know, so I think this is going to be the guy who's finally going to get that stigma out of their heads. And you're going to see a lot more black guys go to those BJJ gyms, you know, get those black belts and dominate the UFC. Right. So I think Aljo. Wow. Black domination from Mike. We got we got our Malcolm X over here. (laughs) In a figurative sense. Right. Right. So I, I, I think Aljo. The evolution of him, if he can put it together, like I'm not saying it's 100%, but if he can put it together, go on, go on a bit of a, a win streak here, maybe have a, a long-ish title run, Yeah, he could be the next star. He, he can really be the next guy. I agree. I, I, I'd like to, to add on to that. So my pick is Aljo as well for the reason that Cody Garbrandt, while very talented, I think we've seen a lot of his ceiling, and I think he's going to struggle with um, a lot of the higher end of the division, especially against uh, harder hitters. Like, I, I struggle to see him beating a Peter Yan. I think it's possible. Um, and as far as a Sean O'Malley, I think even still, uh, we, we can't. Re- while that was a very exciting victory against Eddie Wineland, I'm not sure how much of that we can say is Eddie Wineland being a bit over the hill. Now, as far as Aljo, I think his evolution is fascinating. He's not the best boxer, right? He's he's a good striker who can maximize uh, himself at long range. I think what's most exciting about him not is not just that he's a great grappler, not just that he's a great kicker, but the fact that he's um, finding a way to force his effective ranges on his opponents, right? Earlier in his career, we saw someone who was good in certain ranges but really struggled to um, – 
I guess, force the fight into those distances. But against Corey Sanhagen, he did exactly that. He wasted no time. He knows where his bread is buttered. And Corey Sanhagen, who showed, you know, through his fairly, fairly extensive UFC career that he's no slouch as a grappler. And he just had nothing for Aljo in this, in this regard. Aljo was just on him like a pit bull. And I think it's an interesting stylistic ch- uh, um, test. I favor him forcing grappling range against, let's say, a Peter Yan um, more so than I would a Cody Garbrandt stri- uh, chances striking with him. So I'm, I'm interested to see Aljo's st- uh, ceiling. And also, I just wanted to point out, he didn't have uh, Ray Longo and Matt Serra in his corner for this fight. Mm. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Like, uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know enough about the three bantamweights. I mean, I didn't. I haven't seen enough of the three bantamweights previous fights to know who I'm like most excited about in the future. But I, my fight of the night was Aljo for sure because the fact that he went into it being the underdog and uh, just like. The way he was, the way he was able to get what he wanted, at, like and take it to the ground, I, I was fairly impressed with with uh, his performance. So he was my fight of the night, person. David, yeah. I can't even remember the question. Um, like which which fighter did I? Oh, think which which of the three? Which, Noah, which of the three? Um, of the big bantamweight winners this weekend, are you most excited to see going forward? Like, whose career? I like the idea that Sterling, um, cause, but if I'm not mistaken, he's, like, deep into his 30s, right? He's, like, 34, 35? I don't know if he's that old, is he? Is he? Is he? Let's look this up. Yeah, that, that could explain a lot, because he's very mature when he speaks. And so that no, he's 30. Explain. Okay, so he's not He's not too old. He's not too old. Yeah, yeah he's, he's just, he's, enter, he's entered his prime. He could still have a good run, but I feel like he's been here for a while. You know what I mean? So, yeah, um, I don't know. We'll see. I, I guess it could be interesting to see to see him progress. I'm going to be honest and say O'Malley is the one that I'm actually excited, excited about. O'Malley! I think, I, I think he represents that new breed of fighters that I keep going on about those who just like watched it on a video game and were like, I want to be an MMA fighter and like have been practicing MMA um, as opposed to like transitioning from another sport. Um, But yeah, I I don't know. And I also had one last thing. Do you really think that black people don't like grappling? grappling. All the time. But see, yeah. what about wrestling? What about wrestling, though? No, it's crazy. Even wrestling, like it's what? it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's not. It's not that. Yeah, sorry, the bo- they like the boxers. They'll maybe be okay with the Eastern martial arts, and everything else is is foreign to them, right? For, and I'm talking about casuals. I'm not talking about guys who who they've submitted to the idea. I'm mm-hmm. talking when you're trying to get these athletes, these football guys, these basketball guys, and you're trying to transition them into MMA. Mm. They grappling, yeah. they hate it. Hate it. It's not that it's not that all black guys because there's I've I've you know I've I have you know shout out to Ian Fremantle who gave me my blue belt back in the day. Um, you know black guy who's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and then you know even within the Toronto community, there's like Darson Hemmings and other other you know uh, excellent Brazilian Jiu Jitsu athletes like that. But I mean. By and large, yeah, it seems for whatever reason, black people are a lot more resistant to the idea of grappling than white people are. Yeah, and being heterosexual. 
<laughs> Tell yeah, me like, that's not a component of it. Tell I me. I don't know, man. I don't know. If that's just, a, wait, hold on. Did you just say black people, people are resistant to the idea of heterosexual? No, yeah, to the idea no, that no. grappling is heterosexual. Oh, grappling. Oh, no. Black people <laughs> think grappling is gay. <laughs> the idea of being, don't, don't disrespect. No, I'm not going to disagree with him that saying that I have had those conversations about grappling being very gay. Um, but forget that because it is homoerotic. That's just the truth. Like, there's no, there's no uh, two ways about it. David, there is no David, two ways I, about it. Listen, if you're, one of the are you, are you, homoerotic sports there is, period. I, David, are you, are you hoping that when we grapple, I slip it in or something? Is this what you're saying? <laughs> moving on. No, uh, I'm, I'm, woo, okay. Yeah. No, sometimes, man, dude, anyway. you just come out. Sometimes you're you're on point. Sometimes you just come up with an opinion that's just out in left field. <laughs> not left field. No, look, I Wait, what do you mean by homo? Wait, hold on. What do you mean by homoerotic? Like that? I, that I'm deriving sexual. Do you think I'm deriving sexual pleasure when I'm doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu? No, 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 no. Just the image and even the way it's shot. Sometimes, like the camera angles are like between guys' legs, and you got like, a, come on, man, like. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. I, I can I can agree with that. Conversations with women who said like it, I don't know if Steph know you've had this, but like women who are like watching the sport, they've said that like sometimes watching an MMA fight turns them on. They've oh, said super homoerotic, man. Like it's hey, man, I, well, it's done well. <laughs> but wait, hold on, David. You're first of all, I'm just I'm I'm. Your your sexist patriarchal views right now. Have, <laughs> you, you overlook the fact that women do MMA as well, and that's very erotic as well. So yeah. Um, <laughs> but hold on, but homo erotic does not necessarily is not exclusive to males. That's not the point. The point is. Uh, hey, sorry. We're moving just, up. Just we're a moving quick on. a quick well just a quick aside on. Uh, wait, no, I lost it. Never oh, mind. Homo erotic. <laughs> no, um, no. Um, you guys want to talk about Cody's statement at all? Yeah, yeah. I didn't actually see that fight, but I um I didn't get a chance to to watch all of it. I watched some of the highlights and and everything. Um, but the story is just really impressive. So Cody Stamen's uh, brother, it was his brother, eighteen year old brother, died suddenly last week. Um, and he was faced with a decision to you know he would have listened. No one would have faulted him for saying hey. I need some time. I'm pulling out. I, I think that's re- fair to say. And he, um, you know, made the decision to make the walk and, and fight and put on a, a hell of a performance against a very tough guy in Brian Kelleher. Right. Yeah. I think it, it was pretty decisive. Yeah. And after, you know, of course, we all saw the, the, the video and, and images of him just breaking down. Right. After, um, that performance, I just, you know, I think it goes without saying, you know, that's, you know, Cody Stavman, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with you first yeah. off and second off. Wow. You know, just like that's ins- that was inspiring. Yeah. What, what, a, what a terrible situation. And man, for him to overcome that kind of adversity, like, yeah, r- rest in peace to to Cody Stamen's brother. It's awful. And some people some people deal with grief differently. Like I remember. Vitor Belfort fought after his sister was yeah. uh, abducted, and I think I don't remember if Jake Shields chose chose to fight or pull out when his dad passed away right before his fight. Uh, Jack Shields, uh, but it, it goes to show you, man. Some people need that time off. Some people would rather 
either just had nobody could have faulted him for either decision. But yeah, what an inspiring performance. For sure. Um, all the more reason to pay fighters because that's how much it means to them. Yeah. Pay them. Like but, this is come on, man. You, you no, can't no, I'm not to- saying I'm not saying anything. I was going to say, like, you know, you got fighters who, who wake up in the morning and, and train two times a day. Right. And make this their life's work. Right. Only for them to retire and basically be be like living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. Right. I think it's just it's 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 unfair. And we've now got to a place in the past where our sport was not as prominent. Maybe you can make an argument for that. But we, we've now got to a point where this that just cannot stand. Yeah. yeah. I think his brother as well. Obviously. Yeah. Um, Matt. Uh, oh, another. Uh, I want to say this, actually. Amanda Nunes. Would it be crazy? Let me ask you guys this question, because we got an ask question. But I don't like it very much, so I'm gonna make this one the ask question. Um, well, what was the ask question that we got? Right, it was it was some stupid about like um, Jeremy and and Steph Noah was like if who could win a fight or something like that. It was stupid. <laughs> it was garbage. Um, <laughs> that is stupid. Who would who would ever think Jeremy could beat me in a fight? Hilarious. Are you, okay. What? Jeremy, I got Jeremy round one TKO. I knew you had many talents. I knew you had many talents. I didn't know Comedian was one of them, but wow. (laughs) I'm not 100%. I'm not 100% uh, adverse to to the fact that I think Stefano wrote that in. But uh, no, I didn't. I swear, I swear in my life, I didn't write. It's okay, but just know one thing about me: I fight to kill. I'm not a. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a That's animal. such a casual thing to say. Like, Jeremy, Jeremy, I fight, I fight to kill. Very yeah. good. And I, I don't. Right? And I don't. I fight to kill. Have you ever and seen? I, and I don't fight to kill. Seen, have you ever seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Oh yeah, great movie. What? What? Were you the pitbull? Were you the pitbull at the end? Was that you? <laughs> I thought I recognized you. You were the pitbull at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You were the pitbull at the end. I thought I recognized you. <laughs> no, 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 no. But what I what I'm gonna do is I'm a Brad Pitt. I'm a Brad Pitt you, and I'm gonna decorate my living room. I'm gonna repaint the walls like how he did with that girl's blood. Oh no. <laughs> Jeremy, my my sport. My sport involves fighting other people to the two uh, until a referee pulls me off of them because they're begging for their life. Your sport sport involves chasing around balls. So let's let's calm down here. Okay, uh-oh, let's just uh-oh, let's just. Uh-oh. <laughs> you chase around wanna, balls. This is why, I fight. This is why this question is so I, dumb. It's cute that you think that. It's cute. The only thing more perfect than the, that would make this per- moment more perfect is. Hey man, oh. when I'm when I'm. When is if you both pulled out your penises, but uh, let's move on. No, all I'm saying, what I mean, all, fighting is oh, erotic. Let's go. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is that I, I, I have a proven <sighs> record. No, 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 no. This is, hey, this is what happened if Jeremy would pull out his dick on camera <laughs> and roll the credits. But all, no, all I'm saying is this that is why a proven record. So dumb. There's a proven record on the internet that's when I fight people, by the end of it, they're begging for their life for me to be pulled off of them. Michael, what is so. the question, please? What was the question? <laughs> okay, if Amanda Nunes and and Valtisha Shekel were to fight for a third time, who wins that fight? Amanda Nunes. I think it's Valtisha Shekel. I truly believe it. I'm going to have to go back and watch 
watch their previous fights because it was so cool that I saw them. So I'm going to abstain from from making an opinion at this point. Um, man, it's 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 tough. It seems like they're neck and neck. It's I I, I really don't believe that. Um, this is one of those cases where Amanda Nunes necessarily has her number. I think they're, they both pose certain threats and challenges to one another. And I think Valentina can definitely uh, nullify the grappling advantage, and she can certainly turn it into a lower-volume fight. But uh, it's it's difficult, man. It's hard to say. I, I wouldn't put money either way, to be honest with you, until I rewatched both of those fights. I'm just saying that second fight, I truly believe Valentina Shevchenko won that fight. So you're telling me that she can't do that again? Like, you know? Yeah. Come on. Come Fair on. enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Valentina Shevchenko fan, but um, after watching the Amanda Nunes fight, I really don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, like I'm not saying it's domination. I just said what? I'm not saying it's a domination. I'm just saying like it's definitely. Jeremy, <laughs> you get a bug in your room or something? Yeah, you've been trying to get that bug for time now. <laughs> yeah. Did you get him? No, not even close. Yeah, hey man, just just so you know that that's what, what it would be like trying to hit me. You're just gonna be swinging oh, at it. Oh, but um, I, no, it's just the bugs too small. I can't see it. I mean, you're built like a salamander, but it's you're not. I <laughs> said a salamander. Hilarious. <laughs> I probably built like one of those giant Japanese salamanders that drags people into the water and strangles them. But uh, you know, <laughs> those exist. Those exist. <laughs> I'm built like an alligator. I eat everything in the lake. Okay, this is weird now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is why that question was stupid. At this, at this point, this, this macho posturing is just getting too much. It's like we're just like, oh yeah, well I'm like, well I'm like a spider monkey, you know? I eat yeah. twice my body weight in bananas, and and I'm I have a prehensile tail, and yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> guys, do you, do you want to move on to the uh, the fantasy? Trip yeah. I have because I have an interesting. I have an interesting fantasy matchup I wanted to discuss with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I get the feeling that only, unfortunately, guys. I hope that you are aware of these two fighters, but I get the feeling that maybe only me and Mike are going to be discussing this one. Wow. Um, don't don't count David out. Illusionary, but let's go. No, well, I I know that one of the fighters you're going to have a good beat on, but the other one I'm just I'm not sure if you've seen a lot of their career. Is I I I know you've probably seen a couple of their fights. But uh, one of these fighters, the majority of their prime took place outside the UFC, which is why I think it makes this um, matchup interesting. So for this for this segment that I'm going to propose, we think about the fighters, both of them in their prime, right? I don't want you to think about this fighter in their decline. I want you to think about when they were at their best, right? Okay. So without further ado, let's discuss a potential matchup between, on one side... One of the most athletic human beings to ever step in any combat arena, Kevin Randleman, the man who suplexed Fedor on his head and damn near killed him, against a man who a lot of people thought would be the man to defeat Anderson Silva, but never really got into the UFC in his prime. We're going to make that an- Instagram a- question. Another, yeah, we should. Another athletic freak, an Olympic champion, Hector Lombard. What? What? No. Hector Lombard versus Kevin Randleman. I turn this over to you guys. Kevin, Kevin, look, I think honestly, though, that Kevin Randleman, 
I think that Kevin Randleman is not the technical genius that Hector Lombard was in his prime when he was on. We're assuming that USADA isn't a thing, right? We're, oh, no. Okay, no. so USADA is blind, right? Okay, there we go. Because th- that's the matchup I wanted to see. No USADA. Give him all the steroids, all of the testosterone, <laughs> all of the HGH. Um, I just think Kevin Randleman is too big. Is that weird? Because I know the height difference is actually not that bad. Like, what is it? Hector Lombard's like 5'8", five 5'9", five and Kevin Randleman was 5'10". Um, but at the same time, Kevin Randleman would have to would have to kill himself to get to 205. And Kevin Randleman has fought at 205. Sorry, you cut you cut out. It's interesting because my sorry, Stefano, you cut out. Like, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, my initial impression was yours. Like the physical. Am I cutting out again? No, you, you guys hear me. Can you guys hear me? Oh, yeah. I thought the physicality of Randleman might be too much, especially in the clinch where Lombard does a lot of his work with his uh, phenomenal judo skills. But then I remembered Kevin Rand. Randleman lost to the likes of Kazushi Sakurai. He 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 had his stumbles against smaller opponents, right? Um, Kazushi Sakuraba, you know, phenomenal grappler, but not the physical specimen of Hector Lombard. But okay, if you in a vacuum, would you rather be the grappler of Kazushi Sakuraba or the grappler of Hector Lombard? It's 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 hard to say because they're very different styles of grappling like right like kazushi sakuraba's grappling largely revolves around um quirky tricks where he can um take advantage of positions that aren't supposed to be advantageous and kind of dominate them you know what i mean you get my back okay i'm you know i'm assuming because you're more physical you're going to get into this position of the back now i have the kimura trap to work from whereas hector lombard man um very good with his trips very physically strong, great from top position, uh, great ground and pounder as well. In his later career, started to become a little bit of a lower volume fighter. You saw Yeah, ex- exactly. Usada. He could crack too, though, eh? Lombard. Yeah, but see, it's crazy to me because, you know, for in his later career, what ended up happening, right? He was at 185, right? And then went down to 170 because he just, his frame was not able to sustain itself when. Usada came in. Usada. So yeah. Um. Look, I just think that if if Usada isn't a thing, it's. I just think Kevin Rattleman's too big. I just I I truly believe it. I, too big, too powerful. Cracks hard. Like he hits hard too. Um. You know, I I, I really like Kevin Rattleman's physicality. Like a lot of people don't talk about it. He's the original kind of physical guy. Like he's the guy who could just who's like really. Um, who who just really demonstrates that mentality of me or you in that in that case, well ring when he was in Pride, you know. So his I, jawline made no sense to me. It yeah. was like most people's jaws go. His jawline was like this thick. Was <laughs> he? He was the true crimson chin. Like yeah. David, what do, what do you think, man? Did did you I did you witness either of these guys in their prime, or have you gone back and watched any of their fights? I can confess that I did not. Um, they are both huge, jacked black guys. Yeah, those are my thoughts. <laughs> I didn't see much of Kevin Randall was fighting at all. Um, like, at all. 
so I can't really give an opinion on that. I'm not really sure I caught the best of Hector Lombard, because from what I understand, by the time he was in the UFC, he was already kind of on the decline. So Very much so. I'd say both USADA and aging, because keep in mind, like Hector Lombard, I remember back in Anderson Silva's prime, like when he was facing the uh, the Rich Franklins of the world and the, the Forrest Griffins. Back then, there was this monster at 185 over in Bellator named Hector Lombard. That pe- a lot of people thought if this guy were to come over and face Anderson Silva, Anderson wouldn't stand a chance. To be honest, I think, yeah, it's hard to say. Because Lombard could box, deeply defensively responsible as most Cuban fighters tend to be. But yeah, it's 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 hard to say. I'm, I'm going to have to... I'd favor Randleman in the early going. Mm-hmm. Because, man, just the season, like, the way he put down Miracle Crow Cop for me, it's terrifying. I, I would I would probably lean towards Randleman, but I wouldn't hate Hector Lombard's chances if he could uh, turn it into a grappling fight. I could definitely put in, like, a Felicia Spencer style, like, if you give me, you know... If I put twenty dollars on you, you could give me a hundred dollars, and therefore, like, okay, you know. Um, but no, nah, I, I I got Randleman. I got Randleman. He's just too big, I, and he's too physical. Um, you know, there's a reason why Krokop had so much trouble with him, and why Boss Rudin had so much trouble with him. It's just some guys when they approach you with that physicality, it's hard to to deal with. You know, my boy Boss beat him though. Uh, you know, on the scorecards, yeah, but, you know, if we watch that fight again, <laughs> well, you know, I like Boss Mike, too, it, Hold on, hold on. If you keep talking like this about Boss Rutten, I'm sorry, sir, but I'm going to have to break your leg. Uh, <laughs> all right, well. you seen? Have you seen that video now? Yeah, Anyone yes, seen I Boss Rutten self? Okay, just making yes, sure. Yes, I have. <laughs> While it was on the score. The score actually used to used to have it as one of their things. Like the score at ten thirty at night on Friday, used to have his you, his show on. You know, he literally just for a self defense thing got drunk and like, um, just kind of you know. Oh look, he just kind of all of um, ad hoc, like just came up with it on the spot. His self defense video. He was just like, oh, you know, here's a pepper shaker. I can throw this in someone's eyes. You know, <laughs> man. Yeah, no, he was funny. He's a funny guy. But anyway. All right. Well, I'm pretty much tired. So let's end the podcast here. Uh, anything anyone else is doing over the weekend they want to talk about and share with the people? Anyone? Anyone? Uh, not really, but we have um, our videos coming out this week, right? Um, our yet-to-be-named series of interviews with gym uh, owners in um, Ottawa. Where we're talking about how MMA gyms are coping with COVID. Um, so if you're interested, check them out. They'll be on our YouTube yeah. page. Shout and out yeah. to David for producing that great content. Oh. <laughs> Shout out to the gym owners for sitting down to talk with me. Uh, that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Good to be part of the community. Support your local gyms, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Some, yeah. some interesting stories. Yeah. That's why I'm also really pumped about uh, sports coming back. As much as I want to hate on the UFC and I want to hate on the NBA for trying to come back, when TV sports come back, 
soon sports in the community are going to come back. I feel like we're just waiting for them to do it and be safe, and then we're going to follow suit. Yeah. I was gonna. I was literally gonna fight two weeks after I lost. So I was like, like immediately. So why not? Um, okay, cool. Stefano, talk about how you're gonna burn people at the stake for our podcast. Guys, the <laughs> podcast. We want to give you great content every every week. We really do. But we're currently lacking in the proper amount of subscribers. So if we don't get to a hundred thousand subscribers, a million subscribers by next Wednesday, we will restart <laughs> the We will restart the Spanish inquisition guys. I'm serious <laughs> about this. A lot of you are heathens out there. We know a lot of you have been conducting witchcraft. Very naughty. And I've been working on my such m- things. No, I was just going to say, I've been working on my medieval torture routines. So I'm, right I'm guessing you've been working on a lot of black magic as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then again, every magic you do is black magic. Ow. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. What? I like it. Wait. I like it. That wasn't offensive. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, please All subscribe. Subscribe, like, watch our podcast. Go back. We've got a whole catalog of entertaining podcast to entertain you uh tell your friends about it if you like the leg kick you can really help out by by talking about it um today we didn't have many ask fan questions but we're going to if you want to hear your questions asked on the podcast we are going to be putting out weekly posts on instagram which you can respond to and we'll answer them live on air um and like i said guys nobody expects the spanish inquisition but we're giving you a warning so (laughs) yes (laughs) And that's all I've got to say. All right. Oh, um, we will be promoting Jeremy versus Stefano, uh, Rumble in the Jungle. Uh, Yo, no commission. No, no commission would sanction that much of a mismatch. <laughs> <laughs> I got Jeremy. Uh, oh, bang laughter. <laughs> or Jeremy, a, a minus. It's even funnier a second time. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Right, uh, but yeah, seriously, in all seriousness, uh, guys, please subscribe to Like Kick, and you know, it, it really thank a lot of people who watch that Fight Companion and are you know following us on Instagram and you know subscribing on YouTube. And until next time, remember that even though you know the world is burning, you still have three things: you have life, you have liberty, and this podcast. Oh, and also family. So I guess that's four things. So yeah, later.